Guys, if you have ever felt shame in your Christian walk, I don't mean guilt. Guilt is from God. When we sin, we feel guilty about it. Guilt is supposed to lead us to repentance. When we repent, when we come before God, say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to turn from that sin. And we, we get up and we try to walk away from that prayer and we still feel like we're not good enough for God. That's shame. If you've ever felt shame in your Christian walk, then the message this morning uh, may be for you. If, if you're here this morning and you have ever felt like you are not good enough for God, then the message this morning may be for you. If you're here this morning and you've ever felt like junk, you've ever been told about the promises of God and the power of God and you've received Jesus, yet you still feel like you don't have purpose, you still feel like an utter failure, then the message this morning might be for you. If you're here this morning and, and you've ever questioned your salvation, you, you've ever wondered if, if, if you needed to do more somehow to earn um, God's grace, then the message this morning might be for you. I'm in Hebrews 1. I'm going to read uh, just verse 1 through 3 uh, with you this morning. It says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers uh, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty and heaven. This morning we're going to focus on verse 3 and just a portion of it, just a phrase that is stated so matter-of-factly here that you probably read past it like I just did. This is the phrase, ready? It says, after he had provided purifications for sins, he sat down. It's just stated almost like it was nothing uh, after Jesus provided purifications of his sins. It's just it's just a statement of fact. Jesus provided purifications of sin. That's a huge little statement right there in a verse in, in the intro to Hebrews. And, and if we're going to understand how good Jesus is, then we have to understand what it means that he provided purifications for sin because it was no small task. And so this morning, my hope, my prayer for you is that in me is that we will understand the depth and the breadth of what that little phrase means. Jesus provided purification for my sins. Purifications for my sins. And so here's our lesson this morning. Pretty straightforward. Jesus is a better sacrifice. That's what I want you to know this morning. Jesus is a better sacrifice. And get used to that lesson because you're going to hear it again in chapter 7 and in chapter 9 and in chapter 10. It's an ongoing theme in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is, is a better sacrifice. And this morning I want you to see what we mean now. Here in verse 3, when it says, After he had provided purification for our sins, that word there, purification, is interesting in the Greek. It's katharismos. It comes from the Greek word uh, katharos, which is where we get our word cathartic. You think about something being cathartic, right? It, it, it's, it's, oh, that, that was so cathartic. It was a release, right? That, that, that made me feel better. And, and, and that's kind of the thought behind it. Uh, the word literally means to cleanse or to purify. To cleanse or to purify. And here's the interesting thing. Does anybody remember who the letter's written to? Anybody? 
Jews. They, they were Grecian Jews. And so it's interesting, this word here in the Greek, it ties to a word in the Old Testament in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word is tahar. And it means to cleanse or to purify. So let's just walk in their shoes for a second. These Grecian Jews, when they hear, when they hear that Jesus has provided purification and he sat down, they're now thinking about the, the old covenant. They're now thinking about the tabernacle. They're now thinking about the high priest in Leviticus chapter 16 that only one day, once a year, would, would put on the priestly garments and wear the ephod and they would, they would tie a belt around him, uh, a rope around him with some bells just in case he died being overcome by the, the power of God and he would enter into the Holy of Holies and with the blood of, of rams and bulls, he would sprinkle blood there on the mercy seat. And, and that was supposed to atone for the sins of the people. And as the writer of Hebrews writes this audience here, these Grecian Jews that are receiving this letter, he says, Jesus has provided better purification for you than that. Better purification for you than that. And here's the deal. We've got to understand what that means and where it comes from. So the Bible teaches us, Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is, is death, right? It's death. Now, don't get confused. That's not a New Testament law. That actually goes back to the Old Testament. God set up a system, and when sin entered the world, you can go back to Genesis, when, when God made coverings for Adam and Eve, the very moment sin entered the world, death entered the world. And, and these animals were killed, provided skins or coverings, so they weren't ashamed of their nakedness. Remember that? There were also no mirrors back then, I'm just saying. All right? And, and, and so... so Death enters the world when sin enters the world. And God comes up with this system. And this system demands a death penalty for sin. It's the way it was always been. And, and, and so, so, so that's what would happen. And, and these animals would, would die. This is part of God's law. Uh, in fact, Hebrews 9 says this. It says, uh, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Because blood or death is the payment for sin. That is God's law. That is God's law. And so yearly, this high priest would make this atonement offering on behalf of the people. And the reason of this offering, according to Leviticus 16, is to provide purification and cleansing. That's the Old Testament equivalent of our New Testament word here, to purify. But guys, according to Hebrews, there was a problem. According to Hebrews, the problem was that the... The blood of, of the bulls and, and the goats, it, it, never, it never affected the inside of the people. It never cleaned their conscience is what the Bible says. They never had a clear conscience. And why? Because the blood of animals can't do that. What it's saying, it literally says that, that this purification, that old covenant, uh, atoning sacrifice, that thing, it literally says that it only cleaned up the outside of the people. Meaning that on the inside, they still felt the same. They never felt like they'd been changed. I speaking to anybody this morning? See, but Jesus is better than that, is the point. And here's why. I'm going to give you four reasons, okay, and we'll be done. Reason number one, Jesus is better uh, sacrificed because he removes our sin and completely cleanses us. Because he removes our sin and he completely cleanses us, all right? Um, 
First John 3, 5 tells us this about Jesus. It says, um, but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. And in him is no sin. And so, so here's the deal, guys. We know as we study the Bible that we are made in the image of God, right? That's, that's what we were made in the image of God. We, we were made to be pure and holy and righteous and all those things. And, and that, that's how we were made. But we also know, according to the Bible, that, that while we were made in God's image, we wanted to be like God. And, and, and so what we did, because we wanted to be like God, we said, hey, God, you know what? I've got this. I'm going to start making some of my own decisions. I'm going to reject your your authority over my life. And I'm going to take control of it. Friends, that's called rebellion against God or sin. And the problem with sin is that when it when it enters our lives, it completely changes who we are. So that we no longer resemble God at all. At all. See, it completely changes us. And this is what happened to, to the Israelites. Because it's what happens to all of us. They were sinners. And guys, they knew that they were sinners. And what the Bible explains is, is what happened is, is the Old Testament atonement was just an outward cleansing. It, it, it was an outward, it was a sacrifice that never affected who they were. It never took away the fact that they knew deep inside who they really were. And so it's kind of like this. It's like the sacrifices that we make. And don't act like you don't make sacrifices. We all do. Right. So we begin to feel guilty about who we are. And so what do we do? You know what? I'm going to sacrifice my language. That's what I'm going to do. And so uh, I'm not going to say those four letter words anymore, at least in front of my children. And and so so we, we just kind of we kind of make a sacrifice. And we decide, you know, there's some things that I'm just not going to say anymore. And it kind of cleans up, it kind of cleans up our outward appearance a little bit. We begin to start looking a little bit better. And, and then we decide, you know what? Gosh, my wife has really been bugging me. I'm going to sacrifice my Sunday morning ritual, which is sitting around in my underoos, uh, eating Cheetos and drinking coffee uh, and watching the pregame on the football. I'm going to I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church. That's what I'm going to do. What? They don't have adult underoos anymore. Um, right. And, and, and so that's what I'm going to do. You're like, so I'm, I'm going to clean up. And again, what does it do? It, it just kind of it affects the outside a little bit. And so, again, we're just a little bit better than we were before. And and uh, it, and it just kind of covers us. And, and, you know, people are thinking, man, that guy's really got his act together. Uh, and, and then maybe we're like, you know what, I, I really I'm going to spend a little less money on me. I, I'm not I'm not going to have, you know, four or five stuffs at, at Starbucks this week. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a 20 in the offering plate is what I'm going to do when it comes around. People are going to know that I'm a giver. And and uh, and so so what happens is kind of like the Hebrews. We're, we're clean on the outside. Because of our sacrifices. But we know who we really are still. We're still guilty and we know it in our heart of hearts when the lights are out and our spouse is asleep. When the kids have finally gone to bed after getting up for the 227,000th time. We know that in the depths of who we are, we are still completely, totally owned by sin. Because the blood of bulls and goats, our sacrifices cannot change who we are on the inside. But Jesus can. And Jesus came and he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross to pay for our sins. Get this, not to just change us on the outside. 
But he died so that he could actually come to the inside and make us completely into the image of God again. And that's called new life. That's called new life. Jesus cleanses us completely of our sin. He removes it from us. That's why he came, 1 John 3, 5. That's why he came. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Psalm 103 puts it this way. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. All right? It's a big deal. Jesus is a better sacrifice. It's also a better sacrifice because he doesn't just remove and cleanse. He also replaces and covers. Jesus actually, maybe you never understood this, but Jesus actually replaces our sin with his perfection by covering us. And so uh, I'm going to call up my, my volunteers. Ladies, are you ready? All right. They're trying to take notes. Bless their heart. They're being so good. And so they're going to come up. And as they come up, guys, um, Psalm 24.3 talks about us approaching God. Um, and, and, and it talks about uh, who can approach God. And, and it literally says, who, who can ascend the hill or the mountain of the Lord? He, uh, uh, who can stand in his holy place? Only he who has clean hands and a pure heart. And again, the problem is that that none of, none of us have clean hands and that the blood of, of goats and bulls can't do that. Which one is writing? Okay. All right. So Miss Sydney is going to write on her hand a bunch of sins, probably Kenzie's sins. She's going to like just list them out and uh, she's probably going to, she's just going to write down. You can actually just write the word sin, sin, sin over and over and over. Uh, but you, you, she's going to start jotting those down because the Bible again says, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So none of us can can stand in God's presence, uh, not because we're not good enough, but because we're not perfect, because that's what it takes to be in God's presence. It's perfection. And, and so we all have uh, stained hands or hands that are not clean. How are we doing? Sweet. Okay. Sin, 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 sin. It's just easy to spell, isn't it? Okay. Can you can you see that on her hand? Okay. Can, can you all see that out there? Can you actually see it? Oh, wow. That's impressive. I didn't think you guys could see it all in the back. Now, now here's the deal. First um, John uh, one seven says this: it says, "But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin." How does it do that? Because this feels like real blood, by the way, and it looks like real blood. Okay, I'm just oh, it's yeah. It literally covers our sin now. You wrote really big, so there's going to be a lot of blood in your hand. Now, if you get this on the stage, Alan's going to be very upset with you. Okay? Just, it was not my idea that you drop it all over the stage. Okay, now, go ahead. You want to move it around in your hand? and Does it, does it feel weird and gross? Okay. You want to show them what it looks like? Okay, can y'all see any of, that, any of that stuff anymore? Does anybody see any letters at all? Do you see any words? You're closer. Do you see any words at all? You don't. You're like going to drip this all over me, aren't you? Now, here's the crazy thing. Not only do you not see it, they're actually just not there. Well, except for that one. Cover you back up. <laughs> she wrote really well, didn't you? All right. Don't mess up my illustration. Okay. There we go. There we go. Okay. Now, as you look at that hand, in all its glory and splendor, you still can't see the big word sin. It's gone. 
That's what Christ does. He completely covers us. So when we stand before holy God, now you can wipe it off. Here, just do your best. Don't get me, don't get me dirty, all right? Don't get me dirty. I love you. You're done. You're done. You did awesome. Um, he completely covers us. And, 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 and that's a big deal because, again, without that, we can't stand in the presence of God. And so it's a big deal uh, what he has done for us. First John uh, 1.7. I've got blood all over me. I really, really do. Like, it's all over the towel. This is why I wore khakis and not suit pants today. But anyway. Um, all right. So. What else? That's two. Here's number three. Christ is a better sacrifice also because he reconciles us to God. He connects us, okay? So he removes and cleanses us. He replaces and covers us. He also reconciles and connects us, right? Uh, the Bible says at one time that we were dead in our sins and transgressions, right? We were, we were completely dead. But in Christ, we talked about this uh, last week, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we became a new creation. And the old was gone, and the new had come, and all this is from God. And this is what uh, 2 Corinthians 5.18 says. It says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Who reconciled himself to uh, reconciled us to himself through Christ. And, and guys, you've got to understand the power of this, okay? Because this is big. This is big. The old covenant never did this. I, I want you to see this. The atonement back in the day, uh, there was still separation. So the priest would go in and he would make this atoning sacrifice on behalf of the people and they were quote unquote forgiven, yet they still didn't have access to God. In fact, the high priest really didn't either. He only got to go in there once a year. They were still completely separate from God. And you see, see that the whole point of the gospel is not necessarily that we would have life. We know that we were dead and we became alive and that's somehow become the gospel for us. But I, I'm here to tell you, if you have eternal life and God is not there, what is the point? The goal of the gospel is not eternal life. The goal of the gospel is not heaven. The goal of the gospel is God himself. And in Christ, we literally have been reconciled to God. We now have a relationship with God. And here's the beauty of it. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, this was impossible. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit worked in a different way. You can write that down. In the whole Testament, the Holy Spirit used to come upon people. And then the Holy Spirit would leave people. The Holy Spirit would come upon people and then the Holy Spirit would leave people. But because of the cross, Christ now lives in us. That is our hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's no longer Christ on you. It's not just Christ above and below you and, 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 and in front and behind. It's not, it's not that anymore. It's now Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ reconciles us to God. He connects us to God. It's a, it's a big deal. That's the power of the cross. And one last one and I'll be done. It removes and it cleanses. It replaces and it covers. It reconnects. It also remains. The sacrifice of Christ remains in us and it continues to, to purify us. I'm just going to tell you this. I know far too many Christians, um, they just feel like failures. 
Maybe you're one of them. Maybe you're here this morning and you just feel like an absolute failure when it comes to, to your Christian life. I, I, I know so many Christians that walk around with their head down. They're just overcome with, 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 with whatever, you name it. They, they've just been defeated. And the problem, I believe, is, is not their sin, though that is a problem. I think the greater problem is their misunderstanding of what actually happened on the cross. I don't think they understand the power of the purification that Jesus has brought unto them through the cross. I don't think that we get it, and because we don't get it, we accept the lies of the enemy and we feel like junk. This morning we're going to get it. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to be in verse 10. Uh, we're going to read through for, uh, verse 14. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 10, I'll read through 14. It says, And by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when this priest has offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made into his footstool because by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Big language there. Big language. By one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever. Friends, Christ died for all sins one time. One time, through his death on the cross, he died for the sins of your past, he died for the sins of your present, and he died for the sins of your future, all at one time. And I need you to see this, you need to get this. Uh, here's, here's, here's the imagery. Uh, we go back to Exodus. And the Israelites were enslaved. They were enslaved uh, to, to Egypt, right? And so Moses came and he was their deliverer and, and, and he set them free, right? Through Moses, God set free the people and they, they got in the desert. They, they had freedom. Now, now, the Bible says that Jesus is better than Moses and he's greater than Moses. And so Jesus came to give us freedom from sin. Now, now before Jesus came, we were completely slaves to sin. We had no choice. Sin was our master. It was our identity. Our identity was a sinner. That was your identity. That was my identity. I was an enemy of God. I was separated from God. I was an object of God's wrath. I was dead in my sins. I was far away. I was an alien and a foreigner. That's Ephesians 2. But get this. In Christ, I'm a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Okay? I'm now alive. I've been brought near. I've been raised up. I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And I have access to the throne of God. Okay, I have access now and check this out because Christ is in me and because Christ has conquered sin and because Christ is my master, sin can never be my master again. I may sin, but sin will never again be my identity because Jesus Christ is my identity. That's who I am in Christ and that is who you are in Christ. That is the power of the cross. One sacrifice forever for all sins. That's huge. That's huge. Friends, if you get this, it'll change you. If you don't, you'll continue to struggle. You'll continue to doubt. 
So we began and, and we were talking about some stuff and, and I'm, I'm going to bring those, those images back up to you uh, here in a second. But let me give you some application. Uh, I know I usually give you two or three things. Here's four this morning. Um, number one, some of you here this morning have never received the gift of the cross, ever. And so everything we mentioned this morning, I, I, I love you, but it doesn't apply to you yet. Like, it, it just doesn't. It's been provided for you. Forgiveness is there. You can be made clean. But, but you've got to receive Jesus and the gift he gave you on the cross. So you've got to start there. You've got to receive that, okay? And so if you've never received Christ, uh, at the end of the service, you can just come up. We can talk in private. It doesn't have to be a big public thing. You can call me this week. Email me. Come talk to me. We can talk about Jesus. He's really important. Start there. But for those of you that are followers in Christ, there's something you need to do too. If you're one of those head down Christians, this is what you need to do. Please hear me, it's huge. You better believe him. You better believe in the power of the cross. You feel like a failure, believe in the cross. You, 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 you feel like you're unchanged, you better look to the cross. You, you feel like, like you're overcome by doubt and fear and that this world has got you down, you better look to the cross. The, the, the world has no power over you anymore. Sin has no power. Now listen, it's not that you can't sin, it's but that your identity is in Christ. And if you know what that identity is, it should change you forever. It should change you forever. One sacrifice for all times, that's how powerful the cross is. That's how powerful. You're not junk. You're righteous. You're righteous, not because of what you've done, because of who Jesus is. So if you're here this morning and you continue to look in the mirror and feel like a failure, you continue to look in the mirror and feel like junk, then you you need to get a new mirror. Because we don't look in the mirror to look at us. We look in the mirror to see Jesus and what he has done. Maybe you need to get a picture of the cross and just post it over your mirror. What? Best makeup ever, ladies, right there. Get dressed in Jesus. Number three. Give thanks. Man, if you get this, if you really get this, if you get who your identity is in Christ, and, and, and that while you may sin, sin is no longer your master. Though you may fail, you, you still are righteous in Christ, right? When you get that, it drives you to your knees, and your hands just magically start to raise to heaven, saying, Hallelujah, thank you, glory to God. It changes you. This is why we worship Jesus. This is why we worship 2,000 years later. We continue to lift up Jesus and to lift up the cross and to say, look to the cross. There's power in the cross. The cross will change you forever because of the power of the purity that Jesus provided through his perfect death. There's power. Give thanks. Here's the last one. I think this sounds strange. This is Romans 6 played out. Now, in Romans 6, there's truth and there's application. Those things are both truth, but it teaches literally that sin's not your master. And then it says right after sin is no longer your master, don't let sin be your master. And what it's saying is your identity in Christ is sin no longer owns you. So guess what? Don't let sin own you. It's saying you've been set free from Egypt, my friend, so don't go back to Egypt. Like you, At one point, you had no choice. You were a slave. The, the whip was upon your back. You had to do what the enemy said, but now you've been set free. You don't have to do it, so don't do it. When the enemy comes calling and you hear the crack of the whip and you're tempted because, after all, that's all we've known for so long. When the habit is there and the crack of the whip comes and you feel like you've got to go do it because that's what you did your whole life. You can't... You, 
you got to stop and remember, wait a second, I'm free. Crack all you want, sucker. Watch me. I'm walking away. I'm walking away. I choose to walk in the freedom that Christ has already provided me. Sin will not be my master because sin is not my master. My identity in Christ. My identity in Christ. That's what it's got to be about. That's what it's got to be about. Do you guys pray with me this morning? Father, uh, we need help for some reason understanding this. God, we struggle and struggle and struggle. Some of us in this room have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years. And we still struggle with our identity in you, Jesus. We still feel like failures. We still feel like frauds. We still question your love and our salvation. We still feel like we're junk. Still feel like we need to do more. Lord Jesus, I believe wholeheartedly that that is because we do not understand the power of the cross. You provided purification for our sins and then you sat down because it was finished. It was finished once for all. Would you help us grasp that, God? And that's, this is an inside-out thing. Holy Spirit, inside-out. Help us grasp it inside-out. Inside-out. In the depths of our despair, in the depths, in the dark places where we question and we fear, inside-out, remind us of who we are in Jesus, who He has made us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to do something a little different and it's awkward and that's okay. Just be awkward with me this morning. Um, Doing all this has been awkward for me. So let's just do it together. In the pew rack in front of you or behind you if you're on the front row, there are little slips of paper. They're blue and they're green. And if you want to grab them and just kind of make sure people around you have them, that's cool. Um, Here's what we're going to do. This is what we're going to write down if you don't mind. I'm going to ask you and we're going to be all quiet in a second because everybody's going to have their paper and you're going to stop moving around. Now, this paper, children, is not to draw on. Uh, Adults, you either. Here's what we're going to write down. We're going to write down the lies that we believe about ourselves. We're going to write down our our struggles. So so maybe on your paper, you say, I feel like a failure. Maybe maybe it's, I, I feel like, maybe you're naming particular sins you struggle with. It's this and it's that. And I feel like this is who I am. Okay? I feel like this is who my, like, like I, I don't believe in all that God has done for me. You're going to write that down because here's what we're going to do. Because the truth is that, that on the cross it was done once and for all and your identity's been changed. That you're not who you think you are anymore, but you're who Jesus says you are. And so this morning, you write down who you think you are. You write down the struggles. You write down the fears and the failures. And then you're going to come exchange them. You just drop them on either of these steps. And you're going to find on the sides these little white slips of paper. These little white slips of paper. Now, these aren't magic. They're just scriptural promises poured through the Bible this week. These are scriptural promises. They've been prayed over that you would get what you need. And they're just promises of God about who you are in Christ. And so you're going to take the lie and you're going to exchange it for the truth this morning. I'm going to ask you just just as, as, when you're done writing, I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to ask you to come quietly. I'm going to ask you to drop the lie, to grab the truth. And would you make your way back to your seat 
And would you pray over what you get on that sheet of paper? Would you just would you just let God talk to your heart about who you really are in Jesus?